right, y'all, I have no idea why this is so dark right now, but either way, this is a podcast and mostly it's about listening anyway. So I will tell you that the title of this video, the title of this podcast, that I have glyphosate in my water, that's not clickbait. We are going to go over that. And we kind of get there in a fun and interesting way. I'm actually interviewing an expert today who understands about water quality, understands about the environment, understands, we, I brought him in to talk about the fertilizer bans in Florida and talk about water quality that way and some of those things. And you're going to see, we kind of go through, we have a really good discussion and the way that we get there about the water quality is kind of long and drawn out, but it really does paint the picture for you. And I think you'll learn a lot there. You'll also see some of my ignorance and some of the questions that I ask to understand things. Because one of the things I believe that I should be doing as somebody that has a platform such as I do is I should be using this platform to spread news that I believe is important. And in this case, I'm talking about the nitrogen and phosphorus bans in Florida. I believe that those laws are not very well known amongst the population, especially because pretty much everybody that lives here is from New York or wherever. And so they move here. They don't know the local ordinances like that, that we can't drop nitrogen and phosphorus between June 1st and September 30th. And so I think as somebody with this platform, it's good for me to get that information out there. And by interviewing people like Adam, who you're going to meet here, I'm able to do that. Now, once we get past the really good conversation that we have and we go into the water quality, then we actually go into what red tide is in like a separate segment because we kind of finished up and he's like, hey, did you want to talk more about red tide? And I'm like, yeah, let's do that. So then we fired things back up and we went into a, an entirely different um, mode and we talked about red tide. So this is there's a lot here. And I, I promise you, if you listen to the whole thing, put this on in the background while you're at the office. If you're somebody that sprays lawns for a living or you're or you're out out and about working, put this on in your headphones and just let it go. You're gonna you're gonna pick something up. I know you are. It's gonna change the way you feel about some things because it did for me. And the last thing I want to say is if you're somebody that's listening to this and you have expertise on these particular topics or something similar or adjacent and you would like to come on and either refute some of what we talk about here or set me straight in some of my bro science or whatever it is, please do. Please reach out to me. It's very easy to find me. Go to thelawncarenut.com or to yardmastery.com. There's a contact us form. Put that in and tell them, hey, I'm an expert. This is what I do. I would love to talk to Alan on the podcast. Now, if you can come in locally, that's really the best. And if you're somebody that that that's worth worth it, I guess. I'll fly you down here. I'll bring you in because I really do want to explore these topics in a greater fashion. And the last thing I want to say is towards the very end, I may have even kind of disparaged farms a little bit. And I, I didn't mean that. It's just it's just how the conversation flowed. And so if you're somebody that's in farming and you want to come and refute some of this and set me straight and talk to me about your practices, I would love to hear more from you too. So there's there's kind of the setup there. Uh, with that, let's get into this interview that I had with Adam Kirchin. All right, Adam, thanks for coming in, man. I really appreciate it. Just so you guys know, we already started talking and I said, let's stop because <laughs> I, I have a feeling there's going to be a lot of good information come out of this podcast. So with that, Adam, let's get started. Thank you for coming up. Thank thanks you for, for making the drive. Me. Yeah, I no appreciate problem. it. Tell us a little bit about you, what you do, who you are. Yeah, your so um, I went to the University of South Florida, got a degree in environmental science. While I was in college and after college, I uh, worked for the Florida Department of Environmental Protection, worked in many very different uh, departments, worked in drinking water, solid waste, air, asbestos. Uh, the department's very big and broad in terms of what they cover. They also cover stormwater, wastewater. They have a unit in there that does a... Uh, emergency response so like if a train derails and spills they also handle that type of stuff right um, i didn't do that but the department's very broad so i work for them and now i do consulting mm -hmm. so uh pretty much the people that i regulated when i worked for the department now i 
work for them on their side and represent them with the department. And so how long did you work at the department, you said? Overall, about four years. Four years. And what are some things that uh, you did you did personally at that job? What was your main goal or your main day-to-day looking like? Uh, the main day-to-day was we would get a lot of reports, uh, depending what program it was. Sometimes there were monthly reports, quarterly reports, annual reports. Some reports came in every three years, five years. So take the reports in, review them, make sure that whatever parameters that they're testing for something like water quality, that they meet the standards, that they actually test in the correct way. And then a lot of um, what else we did was inspections, compliance inspections, and then also complaints. So members of the public can call the DEP and say, hey, my neighbor is doing yada, yada, yada. We would go out there and do a complaint inspection. So did you get a lot of complaints from people telling on their neighbors and stuff? Or? Tons. Really? Yeah, it's uh, a lot of it, believe it or not, was just like neighbor wars. Yeah, and just like, people trying to get somebody in trouble for whatever. Yeah. Um, a lot of it, two businesses. So I had one guy owned a, I believe it was an automotive shop or an auto body shop, something like that, and complained on his neighbor. Um, long story short, I went out there, did the complaint inspection. There was nothing to it. Came back to the office, told my manager, my manager's manager, hey, everything's good to go. Told the complainant, you know, there's no regu- there's no violation here. The guy actually wrote a letter to the governor complaining about me, saying I'm on the take and yada, yada, yada. Oh, so boy. that filtered down to my office. And Sorry. No, you're Gosh. fine. Turn off your phones, Alan. So, so this guy, let me ask, when you say he was a neighbor, this is a business uh, calling on his neighboring business or a yeah. homeowner calling? Okay, so it, it's no, that it was, kind yeah, of neighbor. It was business on business, yeah. And the, auto, the guy that owned the automotive shop called on one of his business neighbors yeah you went out found nothing wrong the was complaint no. was not valid so yeah. he goes up to the governor yeah then what happened uh wrote a letter to the governor pretty much saying that i was on the take that i'm the reason what's wrong with government oh yeah of course um <laughs> you know using a whole lot of hypercharged language yeah uh governor's office kicked it down to my district director who was actually appointed by the governor at the time um went down to my manager they all met without even me knowing any of this they all met um luckily i you know, covered my own behind by, number one, keeping notes. Number two, letting them know when I got back to the office after the complaint, hey, this is what I found. I don't believe there's anything here. They agreed with me. You know, we moved on with that. Uh, wow. So they just pretty much told the governor's office, there's nothing here. He's good to go. There's no. And that kind of stuff happens a lot, huh? That was the That's one. A, you talk about a waste of government money. Yeah, that was the one and only time it ever happened to me. I didn't hear it happening about anybody else in the office. I just happened to be the lucky one. Well, that's the governor. But you say that neighbors call neighbors all the time is what I mean. Like that one went higher. That guy was a clearly a a mega D bag. But in in many cases, you're saying that this is people just trying to get revenge on somebody or. Yep. A lot of families too. They would, you know, family having squabbles or whatever, and they would call up the department and be like, hey, this person's, you know, burning trees in their backyard or they're burning trash and mm-hmm. or they're burning tires or they have a bunch of tires or whatever and you know i guess just let the government take care of their issues or whatever right um did it turn out to be true sometimes sometimes yeah what happens to a homeowner let's say you do if somebody's burning tires in their backyard obviously you can't do open burns had, in the city yeah but. no i've never had a burning tires one yeah um a lot of them let's say was uh burning trash Right. So right. open burns in the city are illegal anyway, yeah. right? Yeah, so like cities. most of these would occur, you know, out in like 
central Polk County. Like I got okay. the, the sticks, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, if it wasn't allowed, I mean, I was never the type where I went out and acted like, oh, I'm RoboCop. Like I'm here to, you know, kick people and push them down and, you know, over-government them, if that makes any sense. Yeah, you didn't let the power go to your head. Yeah, no. So right. if, you know, if it was burning trash, I'd just let them know, hey, listen, you're not allowed to do this. I would actually print out the rules and regulations for them, highlight it, give it to them. And then for me, that would be it. Mm-hmm. Then I would go talk to the complainant, let her know, or let him or her know what I did. Um, then I went out there, found it. Yeah, they were, they were burning trash. They shouldn't. If they do it again, give me a call. If they did it again, then it's an issue. Hmm. Then I would, you know, go into the enforcement process. But for a one time, like I would just use it as an educational thing. Right. I try to always give everybody the benefit of the doubt because a lot of the environmental laws or rules or regulations, like everyone's heard of the Florida state statutes. Everyone knows what a state statute is. A lot of the environmental rules and regulations are what's called the uh, Florida Administrative Code. Hardly anybody's heard of it. So it's not always common knowledge. Well, I've so state statute. I don't know what that is. What is state that? State law. I don't know the. Okay, that's so. Yeah, yeah, I just don't know the terms, right? I'm yeah. just a dude. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I so state laws, but then what was the other thing you said? The Florida administrative code. So that's a additional set of laws, like uh, that bolt on top of the state statutes. Is that what it is, or what is that? So the way it works is, um, for the Department of Environmental Protection, they do have a, a police department. Internally, they have their own law enforcement division. They can take and, and prosecute criminal cases. Criminal cases are found or charged under state statutes. Those are actual laws. When the Florida legislator passes a bill and the governor signs, let's say the bill is, you know, you can't have more than 500 tires at your house, right? Okay. It's an environmental concern. The department will go and take that law if they're granted the authority to over, you know, to, to have the power of that law to enforce that law, they'll go and they'll write up a rule. And the rule will accompany that law. It'll pretty much almost have the same text and meaning behind it. And then once that rule is reviewed and passed, it'll go into the Florida Administrative Code. Okay. And what that does is that when the department charges somebody with a crime, um, it doesn't go to the criminal courts. It'll go to administrative court. So have an administrative hearing in front of an administrative judge. I gotcha. So that way they're not tying up like the local. Yeah, state it's like county. white collar crime is a way to yeah, say. Yeah, yeah, they're not. Yeah, that way they're not tying up the the local courts with. Yeah. You know, obviously you want to catch like murderers and rapists. Right, or but whatever. people need to pay fines for jacking up the yeah, environment. Yeah, yeah, and whatever. if it gets to the point to where it is something serious, like I said, they do have their own police department. I'm, they have arrested people. Wow. Um, they've charged people. They sent people to prison. They what are those people. officers called that? They're just called police. What's the like? What's the name of that department? Department of Environmental Protection. Department. Okay, so that's it. Okay. Yeah, just a law enforcement division. Of it, it has its own. All right. Yeah. I'm sorry. I just don't. I probably don't know as much about government as I should, which is why you're here. Good. <laughs> <laughs> He's sitting down. Um, He's such so, a good dog. Yeah. So that's what I want to get into then, because we're talking about some of this. I mean, I imagine that what what I really have you here for is to talk about the nitrogen and phosphorus regulations, or or statutes I don't know you'll tell me what we call them but basically that says in the summer we have some laws in certain counties so tell us a little bit about that because that's really why you're here and then let's dig a little bit deeper on that so tell us about the I call them fertilizer bans but I know that's not the correct term because it's not all fertilizer so the department of agriculture actually is the one that oversees uh the fertilizer laws in the state 
And they've got two different sections of it. One of them has to do with the label on fertilizer, um, which is why, I mean, I haven't really read into it that much, but that's why I believe, like, Malorganite, for everybody else, is 5,000 square feet a bag, and Florida always has a 2,500 square feet a bag. Oh, I know where that is. It's for the phosphorus. Okay. So they all fertilizer, uh, even mine, I have uh, fertilizers that I sell that have phosphorus in them. And so uh, when you get the, the label registered in Florida, if you have phosphorus, they'll, they give you limits on how much okay. can be applied in the year. Yeah, so that, so, that yeah. limit that that comes from is from that, that law with the Department of Agriculture. Yes, it is. Uh, the other one um, has to do with the application of fertilizer. So um, I don't know the rule like the back of my hand, but I know it says you can't apply fertilizer within 10 feet of a water body. Yeah, that's year-round, right? Yeah, that's, yep. that's just a regular year-round rule. They also um, have a limit on terms of quick release versus slow release. Yep, 50%, nitrogen. I believe, is the, is yep. the number. Um, they have a amount of fertilizer you can apply per year based on grass type. Mm-hmm. That's in there. Um, and then also storms. Like if you're... If it's going to rain over a certain, I think it's like an inch or two. I think it's two inches within a 24-hour period, then mm-hmm. you can't apply fertilizer. Yep. Storms and storm drains. Yeah. 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 The amount per year, that's the University of Florida guidelines, which are kind of interesting to look at because it's all nitrogen yeah. is what they talk about. Uh, what's interesting there is, is, and I don't know if this is true, but I've, I've been told this, and I guess I shouldn't say it if I don't know, but I'll just say it. <laughs> I've, I've been told that before the, the ordinances came about, Flor- the University of Florida had their guidelines on how much nitrogen mm-hmm. should go on per grass type. Yep. And when they brought in the fertilizer ordinances, the university didn't change the amount of nitrogen that was still allowed. So people, instead of putting down that amount of nitrogen across say 12 months a year, because here we don't go dormant. Yeah. They just pack it all into the, the three or four months yep. in the spring and the fall, right? Mm-hmm. But it's the same nitrogen, so it yeah. actually could be worse because there's more sitting on the ground. Yep. So with that, so let's go into the actual ordinances. Just give us the basic definitions of what you what you can and can't apply during the summer. So uh, the basic, what you can, it depends on where you are in the state. So like, for instance, here in Manatee County, you can't use any NMP. Right. Um, where I live, I live in northeast Polk County. Mm-hmm. Uh, we actually don't have a fertilizer ban. We go by the UFIFIS and Department of Agricultural, their their rule, which yeah. is what I just explained. You can't do it within 10 feet of water. That's a state inches. rule, right? Yeah. So, yeah. Um, you know, if there's a severe weather watcher warning, tropical storm, hurricane watcher warning, uh, you can't apply. If it's going to rain two inches in the, within 24-hour period anywhere in the county, then I can't apply, which, if you really think about it, is most days during the summer. I was going to say, it could rain somewhere two inches anywhere in the summer. So, um, for you, that's the statewide ban. Mm -hmm. And And that's what Polk County has has initialized, yes. So then most of those, I would assume a professional lawn service in that area probably doesn't apply NNP in the summer then, even though they could, because like you just said, there could be an inch or two anywhere in Polk County right now in the summer. Yeah. So to be safe and to follow the law, do they just... Do the professional lawn services just cut it out too or no? I don't use a professional lawn service. Yeah. Uh, obviously, I'm a lawn care. Yeah, you so, are. <laughs> um, I, I see them in my neighborhood. You know, I don't I don't see True Green, but I see uh, Love a Lawn a lot. Yeah, but they could be spraying something else. They like could iron be spraying. Yeah, or... they could be spraying. So I don't know what they have. I've never spoken to them. I've never mm-hmm. really talked to my neighbors. Hey, can I see your bill? With, right. You know, like I don't really care. But, um, but I mean, this bill that is. Uh, it wasn't a bill. It was the um, the budget. You know, the reason why we're talking today is to 
you know, this band to kind of put a pause on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if you read this, but a couple of weeks ago it came out who was behind the uh, putting right. a pause on. Let's it. Let's get actually, to that in a minute. I want to give a look because okay. this is good. I want to get to a little bit more definition of it. So we, so there's the state laws, like you said, can't mm-hmm. apply within 10, 10 foot of a waterway, not yep. when there's going to be rain, those types of things. But then each county has the ability to make a more strict ordinance, yes. which Manatee County has the most, actually the most strict I know is Pinellas which doesn't even allow you to have it on the shelves. You can't even have a an N&P lawn-containing fertilizer on the shelf of a Home Depot in Pinellas County during the ban. I believe Hillsborough County is the same way. Might be. Uh, I know this because there was a guy I talked to in St. Pete, in downtown St. Pete, that sold hydroponic fertilizer that doesn't go anywhere. It's for hydroponics, closed yeah. systems. Mm-hmm. And he got a warning because he had nitrogen and phosphorus-containing liquids in his store that were made for hydroponics. And they made that's him take nuts. those off. But that, that's just, it's just, it's we're just showing yeah. the extremes, right, of, yeah. the, of the law. And so in Manatee County, yes, our ordinance is that from June 1st, which is cool because today is the 31st, yeah, of May, from June 1st until September 30th, you cannot apply NRP. That's our county ordinance. So it's a stricter ordinance over and above the state yeah. law. Okay. And there's a lot of counties that have that. Like you mm-hmm. said, Polk doesn't. But I found it's mostly uh, counties that neighbor the Gulf yeah. or the Atlantic, obviously, mm-hmm. or that have a giant river running through them, which yeah. is a lot of our counties. Yeah. But uh, with that, then, there's this legislation. or I don't know if it's legislation, but something came out that said they were going to go ahead and pause the... Um, ability, let's say if I say this right, they're going to pause the ability for counties to add more ordinances or stricter ordinances for an amount of time while they did a study. Did I say that correctly? That's the law or yeah, the budget? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, so it's a, um, it was a budget line item. Um, it pretty much tells all the counties in Florida that when the budget goes into effect, which I believe is July, I think is when the state budget starts. Okay. Uh, don't quote me on that. I believe that's when it is. Um, once that day hits, you cannot add or change or modify whatever ban you have in place. So whatever ban you have the day before the state budget starts or fiscal year starts, that's the ban you're stuck with for one year. Okay. So, and if you're a county that doesn't have a ban at all, you can't, after July, you can't add a ban either. Nope. Okay. So there was some, and I, I even saw a presidential candidate tweet about this, Kennedy, Um so that's why I know this was a pretty, I mean, if a presidential candidate's yeah. going to tweet about it, there's, that's a pretty big deal. And that's what got me looking into it and got me tweeting and finding you. I can see, so, this doesn't necessarily bother me because two reasons. Number one, I don't, if you're a county that was going to make your law more strict, you would have done it before July because the ban starts June 1st. Yeah. So, and if I was going to, let's say I was a Manatee County administrator and we were working on making our ban more strict, for example, I would have been working on this for months. It's not like something I'm going to do overnight in a week. We would have been talking about this for a long time. Yeah. You would have been talking about county commission meetings. You have to, you have to draft the proposed, you know, letting the ordinances or whatever, letting the people speak. Yeah, exactly. Right. And then we would have probably said, well, we're just going to institute this June 1st, whether this was in play or not. Yeah. So I would not panic there. Also, if you're a new county, if you're a county that all of a sudden you got a new board and they're like, we need a we need a ban in place, you would have or again, you would have already instated rein, or instituted this as of June first. Yeah. So I'm not scared of a July stoppage. That it, means nothing to me. Yeah. Now that to me, like even looking through the environmental eye, it's it's a non-factor. Okay. So now let's talk about why did they put this in place? Why would they say, all right, we're going to put a freeze on any additions or subtractions we're going to put a freeze on that 
for one year. Why? Who's who's they? By the way, the EPA. Uh, no, it or was the budget, leg- the state, the legislature. The legislature. So yeah. why did they put a stop to it or a, a freeze? Why did they do that? Uh, they wanted to give the University of Florida. Um, they budgeted them in that same budget line item. I believe it was six million dollars to conduct a one-year study on the effectiveness of local fertilizer bans during the summer. Okay. And that's it. Sounds like a good thing. Yeah. I mean, wouldn't we want to know that it's working? Yeah, no, you definitely do. And if it's not, then we, okay, so why would a presidential candidate, because his tweet, and I'll show it on the screen, I should have brought it up, but his tweet was basically like, hey, we shouldn't be doing this. We don't need to be stopping this stuff. Like he came across like they were getting rid of the bans. Well, I think that's how a lot of people read it at first. And then- you know, I, I mean, I read it one time, and at first, you know, th- seeing people's reaction on Twitter, it was like, okay, they're getting rid of the bans for a year. And I was like, that's kind of... That's exactly what I read. That's stupid. Right, you know, they're like, just freezing them. Yeah, and then I read it myself a second time, and I was like, that's not what it's doing. It's just, whatever you have is what you have. We're just putting a pause on the whole thing for changes or modifications for a year. Mm-hmm. So we can go study the effectiveness. Well, because yeah, I need new data, because if I am going to update my law in Manatee County, if I'm a Manatee County administrator, I would like to have some data. Because yeah. if it's if the data comes back and says it's not working, then maybe I need to go more strict. Or if it is working, I think people are scared they're going to relax the laws. Is yeah. that what the fear is, that people they are going to go, oh, our, our water's clean? Because listen, I grew up in St. Pete, mm-hmm. and we had red tides every year. Yeah. It always came after a hurricane. I was, I was a kid, so it seemed like red tides were all the time because that's all I remember was when mom would say, you can't go to the beach because there's red tide, right? <laughs> I don't know if they're more more frequent now than, than there were in the past. I don't know, but they've always been a thing. Yep. Um, but I can tell you the water quality in Tampa Bay, um, I used to go to North Shore Park on the St. Pete side of Tampa Bay, and you would never go, it's stinky. Over, when I was a kid, it stank. The water was cloudy. No one swam in that but hillbillies. We used to say that. <laughs> I come to hillbillies swimming in the, yeah. in the bay. We never swam in the bay. Now... It's super clear over there and clean oh, no. and Tampa beautiful. Bay is such a success story. Like, you know, you go on Bayshore Boulevard where all the big, huge million-dollar, you know, homes are the mansions. And, I mean, back in the day, the the, the toxins coming off those algal mats that were just everywhere in the bay, those gases, they were tarnishing people's silver in their homes. Wow. You know, so that's doing that to your silverware. Like, can you, are you really enjoying life at that point? Like, you can't go inside or outside. You can't even really enjoy inside either. Yeah. And you live on the water. And it's just, but you know, go go to it now. You look at it now, and all the recreational fishing in Tampa Bay, the kayak, you the mango, you know, mango tubes. Oh um, yeah, you know the go dolphin watching. Mm-hmm. You know, you go to John's Pass, pull up your boat in the sandbar, crack a few beers, and crank up the tunes, and have a great Saturday or Sunday on the weekend on the water. You yeah. know, it's such a success story. Um, so you were going to tell me who's behind this? Like maybe that'll have something to do with it. Yeah. So, who's so it, it came out a couple of weeks ago. I don't know if you remember when we talked on the phone. A few weeks ago, what I told you what I think happened was I thought it was somebody like True Green. Mm-hmm. Because you, there's fertilizer bans. It's June through August 31st, you said? Yeah. That's no, three, September 30th. So, okay, that's four months. That's one-third of the year where you can't apply fertilizer. You know, nitrogen or, or, or potassium as a fertilizer company. Foss, yeah. That, or Foss, sorry. Yeah, that's, right. uh, that's one-third of your year gone. One-third of your business, in essence, gone. Uh, so it came out that the, uh, the lobbyist uh, behind pushing this bill was hired by True Green. And you've confirmed that? That's what a newspaper up so, in Tallahassee said. So, and I haven't, I'll, I haven't confirmed that because I'll take the opposite side and say that because I used to work for True Green. And so for them to tell me that there is two elements that I can't use in the summer mm-hmm. is actually good news for me because that's a chemical I don't have to pay for. So when you're a True Green or mm-hmm. any, any, uh, any fertilizer company, 
your your biggest expense besides labor is chemical cost. Yep. So if you're going to tell me you can't even apply nitrogen or phosphorus, you just reduce my chemical cost. I'm actually pretty happy about that. And what True Green did, I'm sure, and I don't know what they did in Florida, but I'm positive this is what they did in every other company. They just spray something else. They'll spray iron. And maybe they decide, hey, you know what? We can now spend money and go after fungus. We can apply maybe some some potassium uh, phosphite for fungus, or maybe we can apply insect control in summer. So they're still doing yeah, applications. No, they're still, yeah, they're still out there spraying and working. Yeah, for yeah. sure. So I don't think, and I could be wrong, maybe they did. But if I'm True Green, I'm not going to upset this apple cart because why would I want to add those elements in? I'll just spray something else for the customer, get, get them some different results. And yeah. with technology, I can keep the lawn green. It's raining every freaking day here. Yeah, no, for sure. And you I know? mean, to be fair, I mean, it wouldn't be the first time a newspaper was wrong about something. Yeah. So, I mean. Well, that's why we're talking about yeah. it because we're just spitballing here from yeah, our I don't examples, know the lobbyists. But, I didn't call them up and ask them. Yeah. I, mean, I just read the newspaper and that's what they said. And I was like, okay, yeah. to me, it made sense. I just can't think of any other reason why someone would be upset about a freeze on this on the band a freeze on changing the bands so that we could study the water quality like i would want to see it what i think is and i need to and by the way if there's anybody listening to this podcast that wants to come on and debate this from another side you're welcome because what i think is is that people are scared that they're going to lighten the bands they're going to be hey water's clean we don't need to do any more uh, bands we'll lighten them up go ahead and spray and pray like you want fling it down however you want i will also tell you that I run it, and you may see this too. I run into homeowners all the time at Lowe's and Home Depot and Ace, and I talk to them, and I have yet to meet one that knows anything about the fertilizer bands. Not one time. And I talk every time I go, I talk to people about fertilizer, just because I like to do it yeah. when I'm in the aisle. Not one person, because they're all from Pennsylvania or New York or Illinois, and they don't know. They don't even know what their grass type is. Yeah, no, for sure. So they don't know that we have bands. I think that's why Pinellas County is so strict, why they take it off the shelf for that exact reason. But then, well, you know what people do? They buy palm tree fertilizer, which I've seen happen too. <laughs> I've got a bag of that in my house. Yeah, I don't, so, don't even own a palm tree anymore. But it's just funny how they do that. Um, I do have a question about uh, farms. And mm -hmm. do, do farms have the same restrictions as homeowners or, or service? They don't. No. Okay, so why is that? Why is farming exempt from the bans when professional lawn companies are not? Agricultural, agriculture in Florida is such a big business. It is a, it's almost, it's one of the backbones of our state. So we're a cattle state, number one, I believe, right? Number yeah. number two, I would say, and don't even go to sugarcane because it's. I know that they have a lot of power, but they're not the biggest. They're not crop. the biggest. No, they're big where they are. They're the only, pretty much the only game in yeah. town down in Palm Beach County. But I mean, no, they're not the biggest. They're but they have relegated. so much power. I've heard about the power of the sugar lobby. I used to work with a guy that tried to bring in an artificial sweetener. I can't remember what it was to the market. And he, and he was a lawyer. And he used, he would tell me about how the sugar industry would do underhanded things so they couldn't bring this artificial sweetener to the market <laughs> and stuff. And he said the sugar lobby was tough. So, But obviously sod farms are big here. Mm -hmm. Citrus is big, but not as big as people remember because no. of the uh, the citrus greening. Yeah, like where I – so Haines City is not too far where I live. And, yeah. You know, grow – driving through there the amount of abandoned citrus farms yeah they're for sale right yeah. now cheap yep and people are just you know kb homes or whatever just buying them up yeah dr horton building homes on them left and right people don't realize most of the uh tropicant orange juice which you know is right here mm -hmm. uh all comes from south america now they ship it into the yep. port of manatee and pump it out of big ships yep. <laughs> so do you know why so so farms are exempt just because they have lobbyists that allow them to to make the laws so that they're not written for them. They're written for homeowners and professional landscapers, and that's about I it. I guess so. I just know that all the rules say that, you know, agricultural uses are exempt from this rule. So in your opinion, 
where does most of the runoff that causes that makes these laws where does most of it come from um for me i believe most of it is septic tanks septic tanks okay yes. so how is that happening so somebody's i i don't have septic i'm on city mm -hmm. but so you think so you think you say septic tanks are leaching i yep. guess essentially yeah. like goes out into the drain field what's coming but that's all coming through toilets and stuff right yep. or and that's where junk is getting out. Yeah, uh, uh, old septic, old failed septic systems are a huge problem. Um, if you really think about it, so all most of the homes that are hooked up to septic, septic, you're either out in the middle of nowhere where you can't get city service. Mm -hmm. You know, like maybe like twenty miles. Well, yeah, not far here, from right? here. Yeah, or you are an older home that was built on the coast back in the forties. There's and homes 50s. on septic a mile from here. This is Lakewood Ranch. Yeah. So, yeah, so but yeah, I'm sure they're not brand new homes. I'm sure like these no. new subdivisions. Two thousand two. Your house I'm sure has yeah, you know, wastewater plumbing, right? Yeah. But um a lot of the early homes that were built in the state of Florida, they were built on the coast. You know, mm -hmm. those are homes that are built in the forties and fifties. Yeah, a lot. Before the wastewater treatment system was in place. So a lot of them are on septic. And I mean I've never owned a septic tank, but I'm assuming it's underground. There's a little mound there. You kind of out of out of sight, out of mind. You really don't pay attention as long as it's not backing up into your house or right. spewing poop water up into your lawn. Um, but you know they degrade over time. They leak out. They get into the waterways down south or the canals. The water in the state. Every bit of water in the state of Florida leads to a larger water body. Right. Right. So everything that you you know, if I went out into the parking lot and I put down this bottle of water down a storm a store the storm drain. It's going to end up eventually, probably in the bay or the Gulf. It'll go to the Manatee River and right to the right yeah. to the Gulf. Yep. So it always ends up going to a bigger body of water. Um, that's what I believe the biggest issue is. I don't think it's the fertilizer. Okay. Um, I think fertilizer is just the easiest and cheapest thing to take care of. It's the easiest and cheapest um, impact to have because number one, it doesn't cost any money. Right. Number two, it's what is it? Three or four months for a, a county commission to propose a ban or mm -hmm. a, 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 a ban, have comment period on it, vote on it, and put it in, into the county ordinances. Whereas if you want to go, like a buddy of mine works down in Dade County, and they're actually taking people off a of septic and putting them into stormwater systems, that's a 25-year, $5 billion project. But it's worth it then. If that's causing that issue, yeah, it's worth no, it, it to upgrade those. It yeah. is. But it's just, number one, it's not immediate. Number two, it's very expensive. Number three, somebody has to pay for it. And unfortunately for mm -hmm. me and you and everybody else, it's the taxpayers. Well, that's why I was wondering if there's subsidies for that or anything like that. I'm sure there would yeah, be. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure with but the... you're right. That's a harder road to hoe. Yeah, then. no, it is. Yeah. It is. You know, and then also you talk about the people's impact of life, like traffic. You know, if they have to, you know, tear up a road or an intersection. Right. You know, and it's going to be, hey, we're not going to, you're not going to be able to get to downtown Bradenton for three months. Yeah. You can't go to your favorite bar. You can't go to your favorite beach because. Well, you're right. Because there's only one or two ways on and off most of these places anyway. So if they yeah. have to take one off. So it's an infrastructure problem. Mm -hmm. And I guess that goes back to, and I won't name the city, but it's where I grew up. <laughs> they uh, they have a lot of uh, wastewater. wastewater issues. Uh, mm -hmm. I've heard about Frenchman's Creek mm -hmm. several times on the south side. That's been having some challenges because there's a wastewater treatment right there. So yep. that would be another thing, right? Old systems that can't handle the population boom. Yep. That's exactly what happened with, with, um, I don't know if it's Pinellas County or St. Pete. I know it is in St. Pete. I don't know who, which government entity owns the system, but it needs to be upgraded. You know, yeah. Every time we have a hurricane or a large rain event, they end up discharging large amounts of untreated wastewater into the bay because it's either that or have it back up into people's homes. Right. Like water's going to go one way or the other. 
Mm-hmm. So in order not to piss off your constituents and, you know, get sued a thousand times over for cleanup services in people's homes, they dump it into the bay. Yeah. Now they get fined every time they do that. Wow. But it's a, it's a, it's like a, it's almost like worth it to do that and pay the fine rather than deal with yeah. not being elected because people have poop water in their mm-hmm. house. Wow. Okay. Well, I mean, I guess that's typically just how a lot of things work in government in the world. Yeah. <laughs> so what this goes back to then is water quality and mm-hmm. you brought a water quality report yes for my city water it's county water this is manatee county my county water yep this is what's coming out of my faucets at my house yeah so what people need to understand is everything that you put on the ground it's going to end up in water whether it's just you know a stormwater retention pond goes down to the stormwater drain and feeds into a larger body of water or the aquifer Especially, yeah, because we're so, I mean, you can dig three feet and hit water here. Yeah. So everything ends up in the aquifer. Yep, everything ends up in the aquifer. Um, our sandy soils, the water just percolates it through, percolates through it really easily. Um, so I brought this report right here. This report was from, was submitted to DEP 2021. Okay. It was taken in October of 2020 is when the water samples were taken. That was the most recent. So if you uh, go to the section that is synthetic organics. Right. Page eight, I got it here. Yeah, so we went over this just briefly before we went on air, but, you know, you were mentioning that you mentioned, you recognize some compounds yeah. here. I recommend I recognize Diquat, mm-hmm. which is um, a uh, non-selective herbicide. Obviously, I recognize glyphosate. Diquat mm-hmm. and glyphosate are often mixed together. Yep. Uh, I recognize simazine. I recognize atrazine, which is a post-emergent weed control, which is used... Everybody uses atrazine here because it's cheap and it kills a lot of weeds in the cool season. There's 2,4-D, which uh, everybody knows is a broadleaf herbicide. And let's see if I see any others. I mean, some of these others look familiar, but I don't know what they are, so I don't want to say it. But those are the ones I reckon I recognize are ones that I've used myself. Yeah. So those are in the water. These are in your drinking water post treatment. Okay. So, so I I have a question. What is MCL? MCL is maximum contamination level. So that is what the the EPA, the federal government, has decided that this is the most amount of chemical, if you want to say it that with way. Tolerate. Yeah, they that you can have in the water legally without it having adverse effects on human life. Okay, so for example, I'm looking at uh, we'll go to glyphosate because everybody loves that one. Mm-hmm. So glyphosate, the minimum acceptable is 700. Uh, you, what's UGL? Nanograms per liter. Say that again. Nanograms per liter. Is that, that must be a super small measurement. Yeah. Nanogram. Yeah. So if, if there's less than 700 nanograms per liter, the government says you're, you're not going to be harmed. Yeah. That's safe to drink. And in my waters only 4.2. Yes. So we have a long way we can go before we're in, in trouble. Yeah. No, you do. Like I'm not showing this to you yeah, to no, say, I, Hey, the water is unsafe. Like, I appreciate at, you at showing the, this. this. At is the end great. of the day, like if you're, if any, if any of these contaminants were, above the MCL, the county would reach out to you and let you know, hey, yeah, it's either a boil water notice or come get bottled water at a collection center like okay. kind of what you saw up in Flint, Michigan, that sort of thing. But you would definitely be, you, you would have been let know by, yeah. been let known by your county. And I'm not the type to go uh, crazy with this. This is why I'm asking because I rem- I'm going to give you an example. So I have, there's a fighter I like. His name is John Jones. And John mm-hmm. Jones gets pegged for steroids. Um, and what happened was, USADA, who's the ones that do this for the UFC, 
their testing got picograms. Yeah, you know, bro. Yeah. They got better, right? At they got they could actually measure things at smaller and smaller amounts. So he tested negative like a year ago. This is a while ago. This happened, yeah. but like a year before he had tested negative. But because they could test down to a smaller particle, a picogram. Now he tested positive. Remember, you have you did steroids. No, the testing got better. Right. Mm -hmm. And so that's why this is the same kind of thing I'm thinking. Like maybe 10 years ago, we would, these would have been undetectable levels because we didn't have the same technology. I don't know if yeah. that's true, but I'm just getting at there. You can go to a point where you can find anything anywhere. I could probably find glyphosate in just about anything if I had the ability to test down to the smallest yeah. picogram, for yeah. example. Right. Yeah. So I don't think there's a need to panic here. It's interesting data. No, I mean, there's no need to panic. Um, so like all these things are like, none of these things are naturally occurring, right? It's not like, correct. you know, you find it naturally in the ground. Like it's all synthetic and organics. Mm -hmm. It's all stuff that we as humans have introduced into the aquifer. Right. But it was more of a, of a base or, or, or a live example of, hey, what well, everything that we put on the ground, it ends up in water. Yes, and that is a, that is a valid and point. And a make. lot of it stays around for a long time. So, for for example, the first thing on the list, Endrin, right? Okay. Endrin's a herbicide. It was banned in '84. Ah, and okay. It's still showing up in our groundwater. So I guess it's a good thing they banned it, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Because that's a long lasting deal. Yeah. Now it's not dangerous to us. I mean, I'm sure I haven't looked up my county water. I probably should. I'm sure look very similar to this mm -hmm. and i don't have a problem drinking tap water or cooking my pasta in it yeah i think we would all say none of us want this stuff in us yeah but this is how it is to live in the world that we live in yeah and it's good that we have this data mm -hmm. and i would this is where i would say that government is doing a good job in monitoring this for us yes. this is what government should be doing yeah because now if they see one of these going up because i'm sure they have historical data on this too if they see this going up they can ban a product mm -hmm. this also goes back to why you should follow the label because i believe that if you follow the label meaning you spray at the right time you mix the product correctly you don't spray too much you don't spray too little so resistance happens mm -hmm. if you follow the labels this should not change yeah. i would i would just i'm saying i'm just being speaking logically yeah atrazine's in the water is it because somebody over the years has sprayed too much of it? Because I'll tell you that you can't buy atrazine in the higher concentrations as a homeowner anymore. Uh, I think the most you can get is a 4% concentration of atrazine, whereas it used to be 24%, I think. And pro professionals, licensed professionals still can buy the higher percentages of atrazine, right? Because they're licensed, because they've taken a higher step to understanding, and because they're regulated, fine, they can handle because we know they'll do it right. And all that makes sense. That's the way it should be. That's how government should operate. Yeah. But still, it is interesting that this is here. Um, do you think some of this, going back to the leaking of um, uh, septic tanks and overflows from wastewater, do you think some of this stuff could be coming that way as well? Through um, th These are synthetic organics. I guess what I'm saying is yeah. we hear about how uh, waste groundwater, ha they'll find, um, I don't know, whatever kind of pain medicines and stuff in water. Yeah. Uh, have you heard that? Yeah, uh, uh, like a... I'm not, yeah, Vicodin or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, they find those in, yeah, in, in water. Fish. In, yeah, is that type, is that coming out of people? <laughs> yeah, no, so all that's coming from the wastewater system. Okay. Um, I guess when they, so when you flush your toilet, it goes through what's called a sanitary sewer, mm -hmm. and it goes into a wastewater treatment plant, and they treat the water. Now, they don't run it through a reverse osmosis system and bring it down to, like, it's just H2O. Right. They'll take a lot of the contaminants out of it, but if they don't have a way to filter 
you know, Vicodin, you know, chemical Vicodin out of water, then mm-hmm. that chemical gets released with that treated wastewater into whatever water body they release it into the, gotcha. the Gulf, the Bay, the river, wherever the water is going to go somewhere. Got to go somewhere. The water just doesn't disappear. So to me, I've had people ask me about that stuff and I always say, well, the problem, if it's coming out of the humans, maybe the humans should stop ingesting this stuff so much. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? Um, but it is interesting that this is in there. 2,4-D is another one that I hear about a lot because that's obviously a broadleaf herbicide that's used a lot. But is it, again, the government says 70 MCLs is acceptable and we're at 0. 0.096. So detectable. Yeah, but, but nowhere near being dangerous. Yeah. Now, I and I, you're not a water. Well, you maybe you are. I have an ROS. Mm-hmm. Do you know? Does an ROS take most of that out? Yeah, we'll take, yeah. You have a reverse osmosis I system. I do. Yeah, yeah, it'll take most of it out. Does it? Okay. Yeah. The thing about reverse osmosis is it takes all the good minerals out too. Yeah, so I have to reintroduce them. Yeah, you're pretty much left with just pretty much bare H2O, like pure water. I think it that. tastes good, but um, I have to add mineral minerals back into mm-hmm. it, which has always been interesting yeah, to it me. Takes Why? everything out. Yeah. Okay. So ROS is a good thing. Uh, that's why a lot of uh, breweries use ROS too, mm-hmm. I guess, because it keeps the quality of their beer the same. A matter of fact, City of Clearwater, their water treatment plant is a RO system. So they osmosis. they invested in the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Why, uh, are there other towns doing that? Because that's a good, I mean, that's not cheap. No, it's Jeez. not cheap. Uh, there are, um, just because all of our most, I mean, I know Manatee County is a little different because you guys got the reservoir here as well as the aquifer for drinking water. Mm-hmm. But over in, you know, Pinellas County, a lot of their wells are actually been intruded by salt water because they've used too much of it and just the pressure the salt water oh, fills that void. Yeah. Um so they've had to take some extra steps to to treat that water further. Um they also take water I don't know if you've ever heard about this when you were a kid. You remember the, the water wars in Tampa Bay? No. Pinellas County actually ended up buying land in Pasco, drilling wells and pumping it down to Pinellas. Because they ran dry. Wow. And it was a big deal between Pasco and Pinellas. Stealing the water. Yeah, it was a turn. They called it the water war. And now that um, there's something called Tampa Bay Water, which is a quasi governmental like co op kind of deal. Yeah, so it, it's Pasco, Hernando, or not Hernando, Pasco, Hillsborough, Pinellas, and then different cities and towns within them. Um, it's like a co op of they have different well fields all over the place and they'll send water where it's needed. Hmm. Um, they actually have a uh, desal plant over our not oh, not really? far from Big Bend. Another one not cheap to build. No, they don't. They they only run it when they have to because it's very expensive to use. So if they have to use it, your water bill's going up a little bit mm-hmm. as a consumer. Um, so they don't run it twenty four seven. But if like Hillsborough or City of Tampa gets their water from the Hillsborough River, the river level drops and like, hey, we don't have enough water in the river to service our customers. Tampa Bay water will be like, okay, we'll kick on the desal plant, get water from there. Just understand your water bill is going to be higher than normal because it's just more expensive to process the water that way. But at least they have it. Yeah. Do they, uh, do they still do fluoridated water here? Do you know? The reason I say that, because we're talking about all these chemicals in here, this just, I just remembered this. When I was a kid, I would say nine or 10. Mm-hmm. I remember my mom telling me, my mom was a teacher. She said, oh, the fluoridated water was just kicked on. Let's try it. And I remember as a kid drinking water out of the tap, my mom asking me, does it taste any different? Because they put fluoride in it to yeah. try to fix all our teeth. I'm an 80s kid, so we had all kinds of experiments done on us. <laughs> yeah, no, they still do it. Do they really? Yeah, so they, they actually st- might be in this report, to be honest with you. See, now that there just, it is right there, first page. First page? Yep. Let's see. So, Contaminant ID 1025. 
1025 fluoride. Yep. So their MCL is four. We're at 0. 0.69, but mm -hmm. they apparently were adding that in. I don't know if yeah. they still do. Yeah, they do. So I, I don't know. I mean, fluoride, it, it sounds scary. Why would we put a chemical in our water? But I, I again, I'm not question. I'm just, I, guess I I'm mean, the same it, reason why they put iodine in salt. To just, what if it's they? a mineral that has a health benefit, but we have no other way of taking it in. I always thought fluoride was just something you swished across your teeth. But I guess not. I don't know. It just yeah. that always just struck me as interesting that they put fluoride in water. Here's lead too. Let's lead is in the water. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's like mercury, nickel. This is wow. It, where could somebody download this for their county? Is this uh, available? Yeah, publicly? yeah, no. So this is a public record. So if you actually reached out to like for this one, if you reached out to water uh, Manatee County's water treatment, whatever they call their agency, mm -hmm. you can just ask for this report. Um, you can get it from the Florida Department of Environmental Protection. Uh, you can reach out to your local uh, regional office district office and ask them for it um every water quality or water how do you want to say it everybody's water company whether it be a private company or a city or county they should send you every year what they call a uh what do they call it it's like a water quality report. Yeah, it's like a, a broad overview. I forget what they exactly. I've seen that come it. through before. Yeah, yeah it comes it, with the water bill. Yeah, usually like in January or February or March, and it'll cover the previous year, and it'll give you a quick overview of, okay, like lead. It'll it'll say like this is what the maximum that you know li uh, limit that was detected the previous year. This is what the average was. Was it over above the the the, the level that's that becomes a problem? It'll say no nine times out of ten. Because yes, it'll end up on the news, hmm. and that's it. Get some attention. Yeah, no, so everything's a public record. Anybody can get it. Yeah, I just don't, I don't know that people take, I've never taken the time to look at this. I'm going to, I'm going to have a lot of fun reading this tonight and looking up these chemical <laughs> names. Well, because this is how I learn, right? I just yeah. see some name like monochloracetic acid. I'm what like, page are you on? Uh, I just opened up page five. Okay. Uh, disinfection products, right? Like, yep. okay, I mean, this is stuff that's going through your, through your laundry and mm -hmm. uh, I mean, this is everything. This yep. is really interesting. You got dipromochloromethane? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. Say what that. that five times. Fast. Yeah, I see bromate. That sounds mm -hmm. familiar. I, I what I'm saying is, is I go to all this trouble to eat grass fed, grass finished beef and then I'm drinking <laughs> water. Right. And it's, <laughs> and it's just getting rid of it. So yeah. um, very because I, I have friends that won't drink tap water at restaurants. And I'm wondering if they I mean, again, everybody has to do their own thing. Everybody has to do their own due diligence and take care of their family the way they want to take care of them. But I yeah. think having this information is good. And what it does for me is it just lets me know that I'm on the right track because I'm about educating people on following labels, integrated pest management. Don't spray, don't, don't blanket spray the atrazine if you don't need it. Just yeah. spot spray, right? These are the things we can do as homeowners to actually make an effect on this. Yeah. I believe. Yeah. Um, and and I, I actually think more education is what's needed because the, the average homeowner doesn't know. They don't read labels and it's not that they're not trying to. They just, they just don't know. They, they need someone to educate them. And I, I'm, I feel that's important. So. And be honest with you, like most of the time, the person working on the grass as a household is a man. I know there are some women out there to do it. I'm not trying to sound sexist, but yeah, most no. of the time it's the husband and the man. And what are we famous for? We don't read directions. We figure it out. Well, and if a little bit works, then a lot must work yeah, better. Yeah. yeah. I mean, but like going to the whole fertilizer thing, if you're following the bag rate and you're not applying it right before a heavy rain, which I don't think most people that listen to this podcast or watch the show or follow you on YouTube... Mm -hmm do that but i mean i have seen i have seen people you know ask in the, the facebook group or write into you and you've addressed it on your show once or twice like hey i put down a pre-emergent i put down this fertilizer 
and then it rained three inches the next day, did it all wash away? Yeah. That's where that issue comes into play, right? Because, yeah, it washed away. But then at the same time, it's not like three inches of rain showed up out of nowhere. You would have known. Yeah, you know, like it was. It may not have said three inches on the forecast, but it probably would have said at least an inch and a half. Yeah. You know, I mean, meteorologists are long, wrong all the time. Like, it's an exact science. I get it. But it's not like it was like, hey, it's forecast to be a sunny day, 93 degrees, zero humidity, and all of a sudden the heavens opened up and you're sitting in puddles of water in your living room. Right. There's common sense that yeah. needs to be employed for sure. And I think those are, the, those are the situations where the fertilizer ban really is the intended purpose. I don't think it's for, you know, the, the professional lawn sprayers. I don't think it's for the people who are the DIYers who follow the bag rates and really know what they're doing more than the average person does. Mm-hmm. Them, I don't, they're smart enough to, to do what's right. Right. Um, it's for the casual person. Hey, my grass isn't as green as it should be. Let me go to Lowe's or Home Depot, pick up this random bag and and just pitch it. it. And that's what yeah. most people do. And so that's why, again, education is so important. And I, I, I feel like the I, I work hard to educate on the fertilizer ordinances because I want people to know about it. I care about our fisheries here. Yeah. I, I go fishing all the time for reds and snook and I want that that fishery to be healthy. And I believe yeah. that following the laws helps that that's why i can't wait to see this water quality study to bring it back around yeah because the fishing in tampa bay is incredible right now mm-hmm. um the the tarpon right now that they're pulling out i are giant and they're everywhere and i just i have to believe that that is because of these types of efforts and 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 conservation and things like that so yeah it's it's an interesting debate to have for sure um Adam, what are you doing now? I think what you do, let's talk about what you're doing in your business now because I think it's super interesting and I think it also goes along to this because you're helping businesses to comply with these types of things. So tell them what you do now. Yeah, so um, I do environmental consulting. Uh, pretty much the companies and people that I was regulating when I worked at DEP, I'm now working on their side and I'm doing pretty much the same thing, um, but I'm just kind of getting to them to do the right thing before DEP comes along and, right. you know, says, okay, hey, this is a violation or here's a fine or, you know, you violated this rule or law or regulation or whatever. Um, I'm going to them and, and giving them the knowledge of what the rules and laws are. I'm out there doing inspections at their facilities and, you know, once a week pretty much saying, hey, this is wrong, this is wrong, you have to do this to fix it. That way when the state does come around, it does an inspection for their compliance uh, section that they won't get knocked for it. Mm-hmm. So let's say I'm uh, I'm a business owner. I want to start a new brewery, and so mm-hmm. I'm going to have spent grain, and I'm going to have a lot of wastewater. Mm-hmm. So I can call you, and you'll come in and go, "All right, this is how you need to set this up yep. so that your spent grain gets here, goes there. Your your wastewater is done this way. You could recycle it this way, and you pretty much help them get into compliance." Because I wouldn't know all these laws. I'm just a guy who brews beer. Yeah, I got some good IPA recipes, but I don't know what to do with all the leftovers. So you're going to help me with that, and that's what you're doing now is helping these companies just stay in compliance before it becomes a problem. Yeah, pretty much, yeah. Yeah, so what are some of your – do you have a certain niche that you deal with? Uh, like, my niche is actually solid waste, believe it or not. Okay. so That's my niche. So what's a what type of company would call you for solid waste disposal or consulting on that? Uh, so for the, the, the companies I have for clients right now is um, I've got landfills. Uh, not like waste management or waste pro or a big company because they have their own in-house people, but sure. uh, small privately owned – whether it be like a construction demolition debris landfill. They just need somewhere to, okay. Yeah. Um, transfer stations, which is a, um, I'm not sure if you're familiar with what they are, but it's a building. They take garbage, put it in it, 
from smaller trucks, and then they load that garbage into larger trucks, and then take that to the landfill. Uh, and it's there's just, some seepage or whatever in that yeah, process. Yeah, so or? it's instead of having, you know, 10,000 cars and vehicles go into a landfill a day, you might have, you know, 118 wheelers because it's all getting compacted into a larger vehicle. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, roll-off companies, so yep. the people who do, you know, the hey. 20-yard roll-offs. <laughs> Got that manly bar. <laughs> guess this is getting hey. edited out. Hey, he's all right. I forgot he was in there. Yeah, he's he's really he's good. Super super quiet. Colton, hey, come here, bud. He's got that man bark. Yeah, he does. Yeah, so roll off companies, right? They're grabbing all kinds of garbage from places, and so yep. they need to know what's in there, what they need, because it's probably going to be a little different depending on every site. So you kind of help them. All right, this particular thing has to go here and there, and yeah, and the rules and regulations and laws they change. All right, all right, <laughs> all right. Hold on. All right, back to it. Colton, you got to learn, bud. You got to be a shop dog and you got to be a <laughs> podcast dog. So roll-off companies, you work with them. Mm-hmm. And uh, how long have you been doing that, the consulting side? I've been doing it now for, what is it, 2023, three years. Three years. So yeah. what's uh, what's some of your, if somebody wants to reach out to you, if they have a business, what do you cover all Florida or do you cover, what do you, where do you cover mostly? Um, I cover usually the Southwest Florida area of Florida, so like Manatee County up through Citrus County. Mm-hmm. Um Depending on the job, what it is, I mean, I've got one client I'm working with now. It's all the way up in Suwannee. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, I'm, I live in, you know, like I said, northwest, northeast Polk, so I'm not driving to his facility once a week or once every two weeks. Um, but it's usually if I can keep it within like a two, two-and-a-half-hour distance of my house, then I'll you know come out there once a week, once every two weeks, do a compliance inspection. Pretty much what I did for the state. Yeah. Um, you know, remind people, hey, listen, these reports are due at this time. You have to do this. You have to submit this. Don't forget to do this. Yada, yada, yada. Um, if they want to reach out to me, my uh, email is adkirchin, K-I-R-C-H-E-I-N, at gmail.com. I'm just a one-man stop. I don't have any employees. It's just me. Yeah, no, I mean, that's American Dream. I don't even have a website. That's American Dream right there, bro. No, I think I would just, you mentioned reporting. I could see how your value would be right there, right? Because... I'm a business owner. I, I'm running a roll-off company. I need to make sure my trucks are rolling. Yep. I don't need to learn that this report is due here. I need, So I can hire you, and you yeah. keep me in compliance with all my reporting. And you, I mean, yeah. it's like having an accountant, yeah, essentially. exactly. Yeah, because a lot of these business owners, these aren't things they want to do. But it's they, things they have to do just sure. because it's required by their permit. Mm-hmm. Um, they get inspected once a year. The other 364 days a year, they don't want to deal with having to worry about that in the back of their mind. Cause yeah, your peace of you know, mind. Like I said, them. they got trucks to keep up and running. Our employees calling out sick. I've got, you know, this company wants to hire me to do this job. Can I fit this into the schedule? Like at the end of the day, the point of a business is to make money. Mm-hmm. It's not to worry about government regulations. You know what I mean? Right. So if you can have somebody that can kind of take that off your shoulder and just be in the background to give you like a, Hey, don't forget this thing can do in two months. You might want to go ahead and get started on it. Yeah. That's and, that's what I do. And then even have somebody review it and make yep. sure it's right. Good. Yep. Awesome. Anything else you want to add in there? It's been an awesome conversation. I'm sure we're going to get a lot of comments below, so we'll see yeah, what Yeah, don't hate out. me too much. No, I, I don't <laughs> think anybody's going to hate you. I mean, you, you've taught me some things. I, I never even thought that I could get a water quality report. I guess... It's one of the, you know, it's out of sight, out of mind, right? Now that yeah. you show me, I'm like, well, man. That's what I'm, a lot of environmental is, is out of sight, out of mind. Yeah, I want to learn more about this now because if I can make a difference with my content, if I can learn something here and use my reach 
to mm-hmm. educate consumers in Florida, I'm all about that. So. And I'll be honest with you. So, like, before I lived in Polk, I lived in New Tampa, mm-hmm. just north of, of uh, University of South Florida, there, Hillsborough County. I never owned the home. I was always, you know, the guy that rented an apartment or rented a townhouse where the community took care of the grass. I didn't care about the grass. I never really, mm-hmm. you know, thought about it. Once I went to go buy my house three years ago, you know, my dad always cared about the grass going up. So it got me thinking, like, hey, you know, let me look into this. And then I found you. Um, and now, you know, my wife's mad at me because every week I'm out there doing something along <laughs> and spending money and yada, yada, yada. But I didn't know there was a fertilizer ban in Hillsborough County. I had no idea. Mm. And I was actually just at the Lowe's on uh, Bruce P. Downs in 75. People are familiar with that area. Three days ago. And they had a cart in the middle of the aisle with a whole bunch of different fertilizer bags on it with signs on it saying fertilizer ban starting June 1st. Buy it now before it's gone. Mm. Yeah. It shouldn't be up to Lowe's or Home Depot or you. It's great that you want to do it and take that that initiative. It shouldn't be your job to educate people. That's the government's job. That's If Manatee County is going to put this ban out there or Hillsborough County, send out flyers. Do mm-hmm. a commercial. Put out ads on Facebook. Yeah. Let people know, because if people don't know, then the ban is useless. I agree. It doesn't matter at all if, if people yeah, aren't following it. At the end of the day, it's not like there's a Mandy County helicopter flying over your house looking, is this a guy applying fertilizer at 3 o'clock on a Saturday afternoon? No, they're not doing that, right? If you, you could get caught by code enforcement or, or yeah. whatever, a neighbor reporting you. Sure, but... But if the neighbor doesn't know... Yeah. And we don't want neighbors to be nanny like that. What no. we want is we want neighbors to be friendly and talk no. to each other and say, hey, bud, like... This is something you shouldn't be doing. Here's yeah, why. Exactly. So these counties, you know, if if they need us to do a better job just to have the outreach and educate the people. Because like yeah. you said, a lot of the people that live over here, they don't live here year-round. No, they don't. And yeah. they're not from here, and they just don't know. Yeah. And I think part of it, so if I look at it this way, if I put myself in the shoes of somebody in government, mm-hmm. and I, I only worked for the government for a little while when I was in the Air Force, and that was many years ago, and I did not like the way the government operated. But um, I think that this is like any business – if you talk to any business owner, they go, this is what we do, but marketing is like on their back burner. And this yeah. is in educating people. That's like the government's marketing, if you think about it, right? Yep. And they're just not good at it because they're no. good at doing what government does, legislating things or whatever government does, mm-hmm. but marketing is not. So yeah. I I feel like as a as a Florida citizen, it is it I don't mind using my my reach to help because you know, that's awesome. I'm just I saying care about it shouldn't live. be that way. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it shouldn't be like the, the Manatee County should, it should have been part of the process of, Hey, we need to go ahead and get this message out there to our residents. Well, then I'll say this. If somebody's listening from Manatee County and you want to come out and talk to me on the pod, I, cause I've and learned I'm not so trying much. To, I'm not trying to bash on Manatee County. I'm just, this is where yeah. we're at and you live here. Yeah. So no, I'm just using the example. I know you're not bashing. This is us. This is what we're doing. We're getting the word out from this podcast. So if, Somebody gets mad at it. I don't care if it gets the word out. Good. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. It gets somebody to start thinking Flex about it. Flex that first amendment. Right? Let's do it. <laughs> Speak. So, awesome. Adam, thank you, man. Thanks for coming out. I'll put Adam's info in the description below if anybody wants to to reach out to him and get more information. And uh, I really appreciate you taking time out today. And uh, I wish you the best, man. Have yeah, a great Thank you summer. very much. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. It was awesome to be here. Enjoy the mo, bro. I always do. <laughs> hey, y'all. This is podcast editing, Alan. 
jumping in here real quick. I feel like whenever I go into uncharted territory that I want to make a lot of disclaimers or at least clarify things. And one thing I want to clarify is my water at my house, I'm not on a well. So I don't want you to think that the stuff that's in the water that I'm drinking is coming directly from underneath my house. That is not the case. I have city water. Manatee County's water comes from a reservoir and something else and all in that. So I have city water. So it isn't like whatever I'm putting in my lawn is going straight down into the ground and then I'm pumping it out of a well. I just wanted to make that clear before it comes out on the internet or whatever. So anyway, now back to the podcast. Okay, so I hope you guys enjoyed that part of the podcast. Now, this second part here, the second segment is what I talked about in the beginning. This is where we get into what Red Tide is. And we actually take the discussion a little bit further. And I think some of you will continue to learn here. You'll get something out of it. And again, I hope that it'll make you a better lawn care applicator for yourself and for your DIY for your house. So let's talk a little bit about Red Tides because like I mentioned, as a kid, I, I remember them happening I remember being disappointed. I also remember everybody would always tell you that it came after a big storm year. But let's talk about what makes red tide happen and uh, how can the fertilizer in the water make it worse? Yeah, so red tide is, it's a naturally occurring algae. It's uh, Carina brevis, I believe is what it's called. Um, It's been observed off the west coast of Florida for hundreds of years. The Indians used to talk about the water turning red, and that was actually how they used to lay out their, their calendar. They used to be able to tell, you know, seasons by that. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, they weren't out there spreading fertilizer. They didn't have septic tanks. They weren't out there dumping wastewater into the, the Gulf or the Bay. So it is naturally occurring. Um, what we're doing as humans through various activities is we are just making it worse. We're making it prolong longer. So naturally, red tide usually lasts two to, two to three months. Okay. What we're seeing now is we're seeing red tide blooms last six, seven, eight, nine months. It was uh, I was in St. Pete Beach over Christmas, mm-hmm. and there was red tide at Christmas. They yeah. they almost canceled the Christmas boat parade. That's never I've never seen it no. in December. You no, know, it used to always dissipate early fall. Yeah, and that the cool was, waters. Yeah, and that yeah. was the one that went over two years. It, it was two separate years, not a twenty four month period. But right. you know, it 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 started in one year and didn't dissipate until the, the following year. And that's that's never happened before. And so that's where the nitrogen and phosphorus in the water could be making it worse. Yes. Yeah, so um, the, the way the blooms happen is when this uh, algae gets into a certain concentration, gets into water that's warm enough, and then the water is nutrient-rich enough. Like we talk about the disease triangle. It's kind of like the red tide triangle, if you will. Okay. All those three things come together, you get... The red tide bloom. Okay. And so with the runoff from stormwater with high nitrogen, high phosphorus, that algae feeds off that and just explodes. Makes it worse. Yeah. So we talked about how farms are not exempt. And I'm not saying that farms cost runoff. I'm not going to say that. But I know that sugarcane is grown in giant pits of water. I guess that's the best way I can say it when I drive. It looks They're like mucky soil. Yeah, that that's flooded on purpose, right? It, it's kind of built up around the edges, so it stays mucky. Yeah. So that water is, do they not fertilize sugarcane? They uh, do. So, some, so it just seems that that might be some of what's contributing to it. And I don't want to piss off sugar people. <laughs> I don't really care. I don't even eat sugar because it causes cancer. But, <laughs> or so I've been told. But is... Are we maybe defeating some of the purpose in that farms are still allowed to flow? Um, or I don't know. 
I don't um, want to put you into a position that's bad for you to say, but I, no, I just... I mean, I don't care. I mean, I don't work for Big Sugar. Okay. So is that a part of it? Is that what the... When we hear about captains for clean water, have you heard mm -hmm. of these guys? Yeah. Uh, they're talking about restore the flow because Everglades were, were backed up or whatever. Yeah. Um, the natural flow of Lake Okeechobee. Right. It was stopped, right? So that they could put these sugarcane farms in. Yeah. Is that correct? Yeah. So... Um, just to take it one step further, you know, everyone thinks the Everglades, you know, down south Florida, Dade, Broward County, the headwaters of the Everglades is actually up in Orange and Osceola County. Oh. It's up in, like, Reedy Creek. Everyone's heard of that because mm -hmm. of the whole Disney thing. Well, it's an actual creek. It's named after. And that is the furthest north surface water that will eventually naturally flow into the Everglades. And it flows into the chain of lakes in Kissimmee, dumps out into the Kissimmee River, Flows that Kissimmee River flows into Lake Okeechobee, and then naturally everything's supposed to flow south into the Everglades. What we've done as humans is we've diked the lake to protect the communities mm -hmm. around it from flooding. And I get it. Beautiful communities, yeah. yeah. Amazing communities, and I I'm not saying I'm not a tree hugger. No. Like, I don't want to come across as a tree hugger. Like we're humans, we're going to have impact on the environment, on the world, because. We're alphas, and we want to, you know, we're top of the food chain. We're to make things easier for us, yeah. right? At the end of the day, I'm sitting here in an A-seed room, not because I, you know, because I want to. Right. You know, because I enjoy it. I don't want to be outside in 130-degree heat. So what we've done is we've diked the lake, and now we divert it east and west. It gets diverted west towards Fort Myers, out to the Gulf, and east into the Indian River Lagoon. So all the nutrient-rich water that comes through the, the spine of the state, pretty much on the Kissimmee River, and there's a lot of farming agricultural communities out there. Again, water has to, it, it goes into a bigger water body. So a lot of this ends up into the lakes, into the, the Kissimmee River, and then flows into Lake Okeechobee, gets pushed out into the Gulf and into the, the Indian River Lagoon. The Gulf and the Indian River Lagoon, they don't have the greatest circulation. If you go to look at a circulation map of the Gulf of Mexico, it's a giant, you know, up and around, almost like a bunny ear, but it's, 150 miles up the coast. Mm -hmm. It's not coming close to the, to the coastline of Florida. And then the water is not very deep. There's a shelf out there. Yeah, that's why we have such good flats fishing. Yeah, yeah. but it also heats the water up. Right. It makes it just a Which little bit hotter because so it's wonderful. not that deep. Right? So you get hotter water, no flow. The water is not as deep or it's not as deep as it would be way offshore. It is on the East Coast. So anything you have in that water, the density now is increased because it's the same amount of pollutants or whatever with less water volume that ups your density. And that's why you have such bad algae blooms on the West coast of Florida. You don't have it on the East coast. So I've heard, so if we had not disrupted this flow, mm -hmm. all of that stuff would have essentially been filtered out as it naturally continued to flow South. The, the whatever it would have, filtered out naturally through the sand and through whatever's in South Florida, the Everglades would yeah. have kind of cleaned it out, the root yeah. system so of all the plants. So wetlands are actually natural filters. Right. They would have filtered all that. But because yeah. we're stopping it from doing that, Your and it's, yeah, on. I know it's okay. got a short in it. Right. <laughs> so it's it's pushing, so instead of letting it filter through the Everglades naturally, we've stopped it and pushed it east and west. So now this water is essentially charged yep. with more nutrient than it would. So it's not necessarily a fault of the farms. It's just no, it's we not. stopped it this charged water, and we're pushing it out. I've heard in Fort Myers that their fisheries were decimated. I don't know if they've come back 
But I heard several years ago their fisheries were not doing that well nope. because of that. Yeah, no, same thing on the East Coast, Indian River Lagoon. You know, they got the uh, the blue-green algae blooms out there that just, you know, some of them are six inches thick and blocks the sunlight. There goes your seagrass. Yeah. ends up to manatee deaths because manatees eat grass. I mean, you have out there, I mean, I, don't, I haven't seen it myself, but for a while, FWC was out there throwing lettuce into the water to manually feed the manatees. Yeah, that seagrass needs that exact depth. Yeah, every, yeah I've heard. I can't think of the name of it, but yeah, that, yeah there's but, other uh, animals that live on that seagrass too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, but it's it's you know talking about oxygen in the water. I mean, fish they need oxygen. Oxygen depletion. There's not the algae else. just eats it all up. Yep, and that ends up to, to mass die offs. Um, but it's not just the Everglades in terms of wetlands. If you go on Google Earth and you look at the Kissimmee River. For large portions of it, it looks like a canal. It looks just straight, mm-hmm. north and south. Obvious that's not natural. Uh, Florida, back in the day, you know, 100 years ago, pretty much declared a war on water. They wanted to get rid of water in the state, get it out so they can have the farmlands and agriculture lands and build houses. Uh, so they pretty much canaled the Kissimmee River, which killed and ruined all the wetlands on the bank, which would filter the waters in or mm-hmm. filter the water of the, the pollutants out of the water. There's been a big push now to restore the natural flow of the Kissimmee River and allow those wetlands to come in to naturally filter out those pollutants out of the water. Um, and farmers, there's also a program too, and a lot of them, a lot of farmers in the area have signed up for it. It's totally voluntary. Um, but they've actually created wetlands adjacent to the river so that the water can be filtered before it gets dumped into the river, or in some cases, they'll recycle it, pump it back up to the beginning of the operation, and reuse that water. Okay. And they just keep it in a cycle. That way, they're not, you know, releasing nutrients into the environment. Because there is yeah. something called, you know, uh, nutrient pollution. Like, yeah, n- nitrogen's good. It's the most abundant element in the air that we breathe. We can't breathe it, but it's the most abundant air- element in the air. But as with anything, too much is a bad thing. Mm-hmm. You only want this. There's that Goldilocks zone. Sure. So there, a lot of, a lot of yeah, a lot yep. of farmers are are taking that extra step, and um, so I'm not saying all farmers are yeah. Bad. And so I didn't mean Industry's to bad or yeah. I didn't want to like shit that. on farmers because no. I actually work with some sod farms. They're very strict with controlling their water because they don't have it. Sometimes yeah. they don't have enough. Uh, I work with one sod farm that does this underground watering mm-hmm. where I want to do that in my yard. Yeah, I, I it'd be cool, right? And he he'll show me. He showed me. You can look down the tubes when they're doing it, and the mm-hmm. water you can see it coming up. And it, they get it right to, and what they do is they can control the depth of the roots in the sod. So he keeps the roots real deep when it's growing in. And then when he's about to harvest, he'll bring the water way up so that the roots are all at the top so he can cut his sod. It's really awesome. interesting. But so he's very much, that's Bethel Farms. So they're very much controlling their water. And so that's what I mean. I didn't want to crab on farmers at all. Big Sugar is one that I hear about, and I probably shouldn't be talking out of school on that. If anyone from Big Sugar wants to come on here and talk, <laughs> please do. I'm serious. I want to learn. Yeah, no. Um, and you've taught me a lot today so far, and it is interesting. I would like to talk to a Captains for Clean Water, too, on this Restore the Flow and just see what their thoughts are. I mean, if you and, want to talk about the Bay, a great organization to reach out to is the uh, Tampa Bay Estuary Program. They're out there in, in uh, St. Pete. Okay. Um, great group. They came over to USF and talked to us a bunch. Um, they're very big on restoring Tampa Bay and keeping it clean and beautiful so everyone can enjoy it. It's cute, dog. It's cold. All right. (laughs) All right. All right, y'all. There you go. That is a podcast for this week. Hope you guys got a little something out of this as we're rocketing through June. 
I'll tell you what, we have super hot temperatures here in Florida. The humidity is up. We have actually started shooting our videos now. Nick, my producer, and I, we used to start at 9 a.m. We're starting at 7, 7.30 now to try to beat the heat. Just got over a five-hour shoot. If some of you are wondering about the mustache that I'm growing out, it's really showing now because I went ahead and shaved. That is for a Father's Day special that we have going up. We just did a five-hour shoot this morning. He's going to edit that together. We've got a little bit more. It's going to be a lot of fun. we got a theme. And uh, it's just going to be like a music video type thing to honor fathers on Father's Day. So that's coming up in about a week or so. I hope you guys will subscribe to the Lawn Care Nut channel for that. So with that, I hope you guys enjoy the rest of your week, and I will see you in the lawn.